from beautiful downtown southern maryland it's time for gears of resistance episode number 14 for the 6th of september 2015 i should always check my calendar i nailed it uh let's see we are a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bring you everything that you ever wanted to know and then some about open source hardware uh the tech the products that are out there the uh different um vendors, different project ideas, different people that are making waves in open source hardware. Uh, and then every now and then we do tips and tricks about building a product or building a business around open source hardware and all that jazz. Um, so this week we are going to do a little deep dive, a little, not really a project video um, because I'm in nowhere near an expert on this yet um, on the particle IO photon. Um, which I purchased a few weeks back, have been using a little bit uh, for some other projects. Got enough of a understanding of what it can do that I knew I wasn't doing but a tenth of it. I was kind of treating it like a normal, like another Arduino or another um, STM32 kind of product, like a development board. Um, but it's so much more... And now that I've kind of got some projects behind me, uh, I wanted to really focus on and just experimenting. So with that, um, for those who don't know, I've talked about it a couple times. Let me switch over here to Bodum. Let's go just do the whole desktop this time. Uh, here we go. And make sure this is presenting to everyone. All right, so um, take the idea of an Arduino, you know, a bunch of digital I.O., general-purpose I.O. pins, a couple analog pins um, that you can control with a C++ kind of like language. and But throw on um, Wi-Fi and throw on a very... Uh, robust backend support in terms of the quote unquote the cloud. Um, basically, particle.io, the company has a bunch of servers um, that are running kind of backend things that help you um, make your products basically Internet of Things friendly um, and in a way that requires you to abstract away a lot of the complexity. So like I'm a hardware guy, I'm I'm an embedded electronics guy. The cloud stuff, you know, is, I'll be honest, it's foreign. It's, it's different. Um, And, but at the same time, it's very important. Um, You know, whether or not we ever truly get to a, a true internet of things, um, there's certainly going to be a lot of products that are internet enabled, whether or not they all talk with each other, uh, you know, 
remains to be seen. But certainly there's going to be a lot of products and people are going to buy products, uh, you know, to fit their niche. So if you, you know, if you want something to, you know, track your, your pet or something for, to, you know, to monitor your, your child's activities or, um, gosh, what else, you know, something for your car. I mean, so all these things in theory with the internet of things, they would all talk together and whiz bang magic would happen. That might get there eventually. Short term, though, people are going to buy products to f- meet specific needs. And the reality that we're coming towards is that everyone has a smartphone or a tablet device that connects to the Internet, and they want to be able to control things through their smartphone, through their tablet, um, to a smaller degree to, through you know, a computer. Um, but they want to be able to check things, monitor things, to to uh, control things remotely, um, and there's been a f- few ways to do this. So, one of my first kind of Internet of Things projects was the Arduino Yoon, um, which was a um, basically kind of think of like a hybrid board, like taking a, a normal Arduino, take like a Raspberry Pi single board computer. And mash that together um, so that you have, you know, a microcontroller on one side dealing with I.O., uh, but then you have a just basically a Linux computer on the other side that can kind of do things like talk to the Internet, uh, deal with USB devices like webcams and whatnot. And though very powerful, um, you know, the price range on one of those things is still $40, 50 $60, $70, $80, you know, in that range, um, whereas the Particle IO. Um, so here's uh, if you're watching this, you'll you'll see it. There's the dev board kind of thing, which basically um, takes out you know all the uh, the the IO pins and makes them into nice little. Uh, I think it's point one inch uh, pitch little header pins, um, and and so it's kind of like your normal Arduino mini kind of size micro or Arduino micro, I guess size device with a little USB that you can plug it in to power it or, uh, cause the other thing is you don't, we'll get to it. Um, you don't actually use that to program it and I'll explain why not. Um, but if you're again, and I, I'm really, I'm going to give a lot of praise. Particle IO is doing a really good job of building a product and supporting it for people that are looking to build products based on their thing. So, you know, a lot of the complaints with Arduino is, oh, it's a great for getting people to learn electronics, but it's not powerful. It's not whatever to do a final product with. You're, you're eventually going to want to move over to, um, you know, and, and even Arduino admits, it, I mean, they're moving with the zero, they're moving to like arm cortex based, te- you know, processors versus little, um, less powerful Atnel AVR micros. So, you know, the trend is costs are coming down. There's more volume because people are wanting to buy more things so that it helps drive the cost down. Plus there's all the technology innovation like 3G, Wi-Fi. Um, so all this, you know, it's kind of converging together. And we're getting products where you'd like this um, particle IO, it's 19 bucks. Um, and if you notice they also sell just what's called the Spark Core, which is basically the um, their processor that then you can take and uh, you know, which is basically less than the size of like your thumbnail, 
Um, so you can then, okay, I don't need all these IO pins. I don't need the USB. Um, so when I go into a final product, you know, I can shrink down, save costs, save real estate on my bread, uh, my PCB. And I'm not saying that other companies haven't done this. It's that the level of the documentation and customer support um, is so vastly superior than to anything I've seen with other products, um, including Arduinos. You know, it's kind of like they took Arduinos, you know, we're going to build a consumer-friendly prototype production, you know, prototype uh, system, and we're going to... um, we're going to take it to the next level. So if you go to particle.io, I'm rambling here. I want to get to the real good stuff here in a second. Um, you can kind of get an idea of exactly what um, this product is. And like I said, I, I think if you're, if you're coming at it, I would still probably start with an Arduino to learn because a lot of with the power of the, of the particle excuse me, the photon. Um, and then in the case, they have a 3G version called the electron. Um, is, again, all that web connectivity, all that mess that it takes to make something talk to the internet um, is abstracted away to simple you know, function calls. And the, for someone who's been doing this for a couple of years, it makes sense. If you're strictly starting off and you've never touched electronics, it's probably still better to start with an Arduino. Um, learn how to toggle IO pins, how to read analog inputs. But when you're ready to like, ah, oh, okay, but now how do I make this talk to the internet? And how can I, how can I, um, kind of pull this thing or how can I get a reading from this thing? Then once you've got enough of, of, and, if you're a software person, this is probably actually easier, which is interesting um, because it, it relies on uh, JavaScript or the, something they call particle JS. I guess they've derived something, you know, they've taken it and, and um, again, I'm not a software guru. So the cool thing is if you are someone who's been doing like JavaScript kind of stuff um, or even mobile app development, Android iOS, this stuff is probably from the software perspective, a heck of a lot easier to understand where someone like me coming from the hardware world, um, you know, it, it seems like the software is like, wow, this software looks really complicated um, compared to, you know, reading registers out of a, off a piece of hardware, um, which I guess, you know, kind of assembly C may for people that do web stuff may look more complicated. It all depends on what, where you're coming from. Um, but this, like I said, this is the first product, and I can't, I can't, let me ask, there's so much of the back-end stuff that they support. Um, you know, it's not, so, and that could potentially be the downfall, right? So because you're relying on a third party to be in existence to do some of the back-end stuff, I'm sure there's ways to set up your own servers and set up your own back-end kind of stuff um, should particle.io ever go out of business. Um, let's pray that they don't. But um, right now, so much of it is built on the idea is that there's a back end that they're providing. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Anyway, um, the other neat thing is like they they also have a, 
um, a listing of all their people that have used their uh, tech in products. So like, what's like the like Luna? Let's see here. This is um, a bed. Luna Sleep, the world's smartest mattress cover. The Luna is the first smart mattress cover designed to track and improve your sleep. Once you place Luna onto your mattress, your sleep will never be the same again. Um, say goodbye to groggy mornings. Luna tracks your sleep phases and identifies the moment of lightest sleep to wake you up feeling refreshed for your day. So this is stuff, again, other micro-platforms could do this. Um, Let's see. Let's find one that makes uh, that takes advantage of the um, the Internet of Things concept. So Lono or yeah, Lono.io. I'm probably pronouncing that is a um, a sprinkler, a smart sprinkler system. So you use it again with a smartphone. So again, it's kind of. I think I was a little confused on, on the uh, the smart mattress. Um. But this one, I think, makes it a lot more clear. Um, the idea of that there's a, uh, a piece of hardware that sits somewhere. You have your smart device, your iPhone, your Android device. Uh, and to connect the two through the cloud to do things that, in this case, they show, they call it the sprinkler sprint. Uh, you know, before you would you would run outside, you would, turn the sprinkler off, you go back inside, you turn, go back outside, turn the sprinkler back on, and you keep doing that. Whereas now with the, the Lono, um, you can set schedules from your phone, you can turn them on and off, you can uh, do a manual override and just turn things on and off, you can get readings. looks like it says uh, it'll, it'll measure the soil and tell you, at least if I'm reading this correctly, so anyway, um, so the, the, my point is there's like real world products being sold with this. So um, maybe that will help alleviate some people's like, oh, is this just another another one of those Arduino like things? Um, boom, 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 boom. So let's go ahead and let's start getting into a little bit of how to actually do something with it. So um, when you buy a particle IO, it'll, or photon, God, I keep saying, when you buy a photon from particle IO, uh, it's going to come with a pre-programmed um, piece of firmware that basically there's also an app, and I've got the iPhone version, that lets you do things like toggle IO pins, read pins, um, and it's real nice, real simple to use. Um so out of the box experience is really good because it's already got something on it that you can, you know, if you can't just make an app talk with a piece of firmware, um, it'll let you know, maybe, maybe I got a bad device. Um, but, uh, out of the box experience is, is really good as well. Um, so what you're going to do first is you're going to download. There's actually, there's two ways to do it. You can either download, um, an IDE, called particle dev um, or you can use they have a web-based version um, let me see if I can bring that up here real quick boom boom 
Let's see here. Let's type in particle. Particle IO photon web IDE. Okay, it's build. It's build.particle.io. Boom, 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 boom. I'm using the um, the offline just because sometimes um, doing work with uh, when I'm on the road and um, just want to have you know be able to work when I'm not necessarily connected to the internet. All right. You'll notice that it kind of looks a lot similar to um, when I show you the uh, the offline one. So they have some demos code in here. Oh, let's see. Let's do a web connected LED. So again, this is all in the browser, um, and you'll start noticing. So if you've, if you've done anything with Arduino, you'll notice. Okay, this kind of looks similar to what I'm experienced before. Um, declaring variables. I've got my setup um, function. I've got my loop function that runs, and I've got any functions that I write myself. <laughs> And there's setting the pin mode, the digital rights, but you'll notice here, here's where it starts things getting a little bit different. Um, and actually, yeah, we'll say it here for real quick. So spark dot function LED LED toggle. So in other words, <clears throat> when again the photons on the internet, when I get pinged to do the LED command, um. And they use a, a the RESTful API concept as their way to interact from a browser. Um, I'm going to run the LED toggle function. Um, so here, you know, so the loop does do, doesn't do anything. You've kind of set it up here. This is kind of like I think of it as kind of like a web interrupts kind of thing. Is my way of mentally thinking about it. Um, so when I see a API requests come in. Uh, basically, when I when someone hits my URL with with this um, or URI uniform resource, yeah, um, I'm going to run LED toggle. Now there will be another string coming in with it, which will be a part of the command. So uh, then we do a string compare. If, if the command is on, I'm going to turn my LEDs on. Return to one. If I get the command off, I'll return. The uh, turn the LEDs off, turn to zero. If I get a, if I get nothing or I get garbage, I can return a negative one, which is the, an error statement. So you can kind of do some error uh, handling as well. Um, and that's cool and all, but again, for me, it's a guy that comes from the firmware embedded world. I'm like, okay, that helps to a degree, but you know, I, I want to understand how do I actually deal with like this on a, I'm going to start with a website and eventually I'll learn how to do uh, mobile apps. Let me just start with understanding how this works from, um, you know, making a web page. So this is the code I've come up with for a basic website. And again, this is the, you'll notice it looks a little bit similar. This is the, um, the, the ID that you can run offline. 
And so let's go around. So you've got some um, functions here. You can open up your files. You can uh, find some, you can do a little buffer search. You know, there's a lot of different things with connecting it, which I'll explain a little bit, but I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because there's a lot better um, tutorials. Like I said, Particle IO does a fantastic job when it comes to um, their documentation. So the idea is that um, you have to set up your Photon when you first run it. Um, and every device has a little address that you're going to link to your account. So the first thing you got to do is, and this again, this is where this third-party backend comes in. Um, you've got to buy the, when you buy the Photon, you create an account and you say, I'm going to link this particular Photon to my account. Because in theory, you could buy multiple Photons to serve different projects. Um, and you would want to have, you know, so you're going to, you're going to basically register each one with your account. Then when you, let me exit out of here. So when you, um, you write your code, like I said, you don't plug this up with a USB cable into your computer. You can actually, you flash. So once that photon, in this case, I gave it the name Parks Photon, and I probably shouldn't be showing you my address, but, I'll assume that people are not going to be that nefarious. Um, the other part is there's a, an account kind of a, um, so the two part security is you also need to know um, my account kind of, I want to say password, but it's a key, I guess. Again, bear with me. I'm a hardware guy. So I can flash by the cloud. So in other words, um, if you notice down here, it says this little blue light blinking says, Hey, yep. I see parks photon is on the internet and um, I can talk to it. So again, you go up to here, you write your code, you simply hit flash uh, the photon and then down here it'll, it'll start doing the same kind of stuff that you would um, when you run like an Arduino IDE when you, you see all the compiling um, and then it sends it over to the Arduino micro, to the NEL chip. Same thing happens except here, it's all done over the cloud. Um, so why is that cool? Um, and why would I prefer that over having a cable hooked up? So one of the big things with the internet of things, in my opinion, will be, um, today you buy, let's say you buy a smart light system. That firmware has to be right when you go to install, you know, say I have smart fixtures, quote unquote, smart fixtures. Um, maybe they're running, you know, like a, a 900 megahertz RF, some sort of kind of remote control. Anything I do, if there's any code involved, I've got to make sure that I get it right the first time because I'm usually, I'm going to dump it to maybe an EE prom or some other, um, well, it doesn't really actually matter what type of memory is. The point is, once it's in, once it's on whatever type of memory, and then that device gets packaged up and installed. Uh, again, we're assuming like a lighting system. If there's any, if I go, oops, there's a issue with it. How think about how you would fix an Arduino project today? You'd have to pull up the USB cable, you plug it in, you reflash with new firmware. 
And that's well and all for, you know, onesie twosies things. But the idea of Internet of Things, again, is everything, literally almost everything has a chip in it. Um, so if you think about it from that perspective, say like every light bulb in a building has um, one of these spark cores in it. And I noticed, oh, man, I made a fatal flaw in the, fr- in the firmware. Now, instead of having to go physically to every bulb and take your laptop and plug it in and reflash the light fixture, um, you can do it over Wi-Fi. So the idea is the maintenance, the maintenance, the security upgrades. Um, this is huge advantage. Um, so that's kind of why, you know, it's like, you know, the, the guy's like, well, why would you want to flash over the internet? Isn't that dangerous? Yes. Potentially worry about security and people hacking and coming out with malware. Well, yeah. It's the double-edged sword, right? Outweigh a risk. I think we can mitigate the risk through better security. Again, Internet of Things, the Internet in general, was not built to be a secure uh, thing. It was meant to be a bunch of scientists sharing scientific data. Um, we've had to kind of reverse engineer insecurity Um Internet of Things is still kind of young enough where, you know, yeah, there are things that you could consider Internet of Things that's already fielded that's not very secure. But hopefully um, lessons will be learned and we will uh, adopt. Again, there's not, you know, there's, I've read a bunch of things on the security with Photon and yes, it's not perfect yet they are working towards making sure end-to-end security concerns are are, are um, in place um, I think like you know obviously from me from my computer to their servers I'm um, secured HTTPS TLS all these SSL all these fancy web stuff that us firmware guys kind of just nod our head and agree with um, I think that there's some concern within, okay, I flash it. So basically that last mile. Now from their servers back to my device, my Photon, I think they're still working on how to make that secure. Um, or at least actually the, like the, 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 the traffic. Um, I, guess it, I guess it can be read. Um, I don't know if it's encrypted, but that's what I read. And so is it, again... Um, should you be doing mission essential stuff with this stuff? Probably not right now, but if you're doing things like, you know, lighting systems, um, probably not a big deal. Anyway, uh, I, uh, I go on a rant there about why we're going to program this over the internet. So basically I want it, let me go back to my specific project. I want a project that did three things. I want to be able to toggle an LED, so I want to be able to control an output from a browser. I want to be able to press a button on a web page and get a reading from a sensor. And I want a sensor to automatically update every couple seconds with fresh data. So those are my three goals. So I've got a, um, the way I'm, so basically going to have my LEDs, um, and I'm going to have a fo- little photo resistor, a photo cell, um, and just take an analog reading off that. So, you know, not the most 
you know, exact seeing not the most um, uh, complicated circuit, this little voltage divider circuit, and just take readings off of it. So, again, normal thing. I'm going to declare which pins are on what. I'm going to set the pins to outputs or inputs. Um, but, again, here's where a little bit of the, the changes occur. So, spark.function, open paren, uh, in quotation marks, LED, LED toggle. In other words, when I see the command LED, I'm going to run the LED toggle function. Spark.variable, analog value, ampersand, analog value. So this is, again, pointers and, and um, memory addresses versus, uh, you know, so how do you make things more efficient? With code, so the idea is, if I see analog value come in, I'm going to send back the value of the analog value variable that I set up here in an integer, which I set to be zero. Um, you could change this to be anything else you want it. I believe I don't think it has to match the value. Uh, the name of the variable, but I could be wrong um, if I recall correctly. Anyway, so this function is basically I control an output when I'm re when I um, or basically I'm pinged, and then this is returning in uh, a variable uh, again when I'm pinged or the value. Then I'm going to go ahead and set the LEDs to low to begin with. I'm going to have a and now. This time, my, my main loop is all it does is simply read the analog value of the, um, the photo cell, the photo resistor, and do a little pause, let it settle out. Um, and then I'm going to push um, a variable up to the servers, the Spark servers, depending on that value. So I arbitrarily decided, you know, the if the... Uh, the amount of light that is striking the, the photo cell causes the analog pin to read um, the value of 2,900 or greater. I'm going to publish to the Spark website or my little um, my little dashboard that I'm going to – and then, again, my website can then go read from. I'm going to publish to the photo cell status variable. Uh, I'm going to set that to bright. I'm going to make it private. Um and if it's less than twenty nine hundred, I'm going to send the uh, I'm going to send it the variable to dark, and then again I'll read that later. And then the LED toggle, uh, nothing fancy here. Again, um, depending on the command received as part of um, the LED. So the LED is the command, or the LED is the uh, basically tell me I want to run this LED toggle function. And then the additional data, the command that comes with it says on or off. The other neat thing, so if you declare something to be a cloud variable or a spark dot variable, you can actually monitor it um, in real time. So let me, so this is what you're seeing down here. Um, analog value, 331 now, I can manually, I can sit here and manually refresh it. So right now it's kind of bright. Let me put my hand over the, the uh, photo cell. Take me reading, okay, now it's down to 353. The other neat thing is you can sit here and you can tell it to watch. So instead of me manually pressing the refresh button, um, 
every couple cycles, it will go ahead and automatically, there we go, um, take readings. There we go. So I'm going to put my hand over it, take a new reading without me pressing the button. Oop, I think I, un, I untapped. There we go. So there we go. So that's cool. So that lets you use some sort of debugging. Um, if, for instance, you don't have the device right in front of you, um, you can kind of get a reading without having to uh, sit there. So that's that's the development. That's the firmware side. So if you notice, it's not really that complicated. I mean, even if you've done basic Arduino stuff, it's not that far um, of a stretch to be able to do the you know read the uh, the the documentation about the Spark um, specific functionality and add it in. Um, and then again, they're doing all the magic that needs to be to store that onto their servers so that you can then run a, um, you know, your, your scripts uh, on your website. But before we actually, before I do that, let me go over. So there's, we talked about build.particle.io. There's also dashboard.particle.io that lets you, um, again, all your devices probably shouldn't be showing that, but oh well. Um, and uh, basically, let's go ahead and make this live. So if I put my hand over here, you'll notice it should the next reading should be dark. There we go. Dark, dark, dark. Let's do another one. I'm going to take my hand away, let the light strike it. And we should start seeing bright again. So this is this is being powered by nothing more than the code I've already shown you. Those simple lines of code in my for my firmware, which again kind of looks very Arduino-ish, um, is still powering this website because all the magic, all that back-end stuff, um, Particle.io is doing for us. And I'll put my hand over it one more time just to prove that this isn't just some magic. There we go. And I'll take my hand away again. Um, but let's go to the, so the website. So to do this, let me actually run this. Out. So we're going to need to know a little bit of HTML, a little bit of JavaScript. So let me go ahead and... Uh, let me just go ahead and f- actually. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run. The, let me start the server up. So we're going to do uh, um, Node because we're doing Node.js Photon Server. So basically, this little and I'll show you the code. This is all. This is going to make a little server that's going to serve up this index.html website web page to localhost. So there we go. Now we're serving up our Photon. So now if I go to localhost port 8081, there we go. So this is a little website I wrote. And if we go over here, let me go up to here. Let me go up to, so if you're again, one of those uh, hardware person that's like, you looked at your browser and you're like, I don't understand what half this stuff does. Like, especially when you're a developer and you have a JavaScript console, you're like, well, what does that do for me? I mean, you probably know in general, but now you can actually see in real time. 
so my my code is is basically just like the website was updating constantly the dashboard.particle.io so too is my own website i'm getting data bright 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 which over here here's the alert status is bright so if i put my again i'm going to put my hand over the the photo cell there we go in my stream my javascript stream over here dark and then my website updated to dark without me having to press any buttons or do anything other than put my hand over the photo cell. I'll remove my hand, and there we go again. Um, so let's do another thing. So I want to take a like, – okay, so that tells me if it's light or dark, I want to actually get the reading. What's the actual number being read on that analog pin? I hit this button here, manual reading, and there we go, 3285. You'll notice over here in my little JavaScript console – that's when I pressed that button. That was the request that got ran. And came, and this is the data that came back. And then um, I guess I should show you the, uh, if I had another camera, but basically if I turn the LED on, go ahead and, so this says, it gives me a little feedback that says, yep, I connected and I was able to, there's that return value, right? We should, you know, one, if I turn it on, zero, if I turn it off, negative one, if I get an error, so then again, you can do some error correcting. Let me go back real quick. So that's the website. And that's all it does. That's all I wanted to do was just to be able to control an output, read, do a manual, press a button, get a manual reading, and then um, again, stream um, some data as well. So let me just go ahead and refresh that real quick. Okay. So... What is actually so? What's the code that's actually running? Let's. So I'm going to launch up. I am. Um, I'm using Atom for my um, writing my code. So let's do the the server real quick. So this is it. This is all. This is basically. There's nothing fancy. There's nothing particular about the photon or um, this particular application, this is simply some code that you can write and use to always create a little web server that when you type in localhost port 8081, it will always serve up an index.html page. Um, and then again, whatever you write over here is what gets put out to your browser and you can be anything you want. So, this is again, this is this magical world where you've got to know a little bit about C, C++ programming. Um, you got to know a little bit about JavaScript. You got a little bit know about HTML. Um, if you wanted to make it look pretty, you probably know a little bit about CSS. Um, or if, if you're, you know, doing anything for real, you're probably hiring people that are experts in these areas and bringing them together. But, um, I'm not going to stay too long because I want to. Uh, I just noticed that my um, yeah, so all my tokens are on there. So um, what I'll probably end up doing is doing a. Um, I will set up uh, some static images that have been that have been edited uh, that you can read through and take a look at them. Um, and kind of get an idea of, of exactly how this all magic works. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Because I don't want to necessarily put all my uh, security tokens up one here. But that's it. That's the 
kind of the homework experimentation I've been doing. Um, let me boom, 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 boom. Let me exit out of here. Yeah, here we go. So, um, trying to think what else. Yeah, that's it. So, um, in the links, I will put a scrubbed version of all the code um, that I'm working on. Basically, I'll take out you know my stuff that's uh, particular to my photon and my account, um, and then hopefully that'll give you an idea of what's possible with the. So you know, the idea is this isn't meant to be a final product. This is meant simply to. Do I understand enough of the technology to actually do something potentially useful? Um, and it's cool. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think, obviously, um, the particle itself here, so I get, this is just plugged into a power. Um, yeah. But that's it. And again, this little guy here, this little chip, that little piece of silver in the middle, you can order that part too just by itself and incorporate it to, you know, so if I wanted to do, if I wanted to make this its own product, you know, all these headers I don't need, all these buttons I don't need, these LEDs I probably don't need, I could probably, you know, get you know, a little surface mount resistor, find a tinier or smaller photo cell, and, and make my own board. The other thing is they do. They actually talk to you. There's Again, they're on the Particles website. They talk about the process for going, uh, how to make your own PCB, um, and they provide all the um, the necessary footprints and layouts so that you can do that. So they really want people to, you know, yes, they are selling um, the boards, but the idea is they really want people to actually build solutions um, now, where do they make their money at in the long run? That's a good question because no one's doing this for free and, and just building these, selling these stuff isn't going to make, it'll make money, but it's not a huge amount. So from what I understand is, um, to do the analytics of all these, these products, they charge, um, and I'm not sure the, the how it works in terms of actual dollar, you know, the amount of dollars. But to manage, and um, you know, a bunch of um, the photons, um, you can basically you're 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 setting up an account that lets you manage. Um, your they click here your your uh, your fleet of um, devices. So, in other words, um, if you so you build a, you build a product, it gets sent to your customers. They buy it from you. You now, and this is again this word the security and being open with people and what it all means. Um, you know, they want to buy the product. They don't want to have a monthly cost to, to run your product. Um, so what you do is you, or I guess you could pass the cost or you could set it up to where they, you charge them. But the point is Photon or Particle IO doesn't go to your customers um, directly. It's up to you to decide. 
but to do things like firmware management remotely, to get access to real-time logs, to manage your customers' devices for them, um, to do product setup and team management, all these things to manage products built that you've built based on the particle or the photon or the spark core, I guess. Um, that's where they make their money. So again, I don't see, here we go. Here we go. Pricing. So $0 free for individuals, $49 per user per month. Um, 49 for a team. So $49 per user per month. Uh, teams plus $99 per user per month. And an enterprise, they say, contact us. Um, so what do you get at the $49 level? $49 gives you all the free features, which is real-time device logs and device management, plus uh, team access, firmware management, automated co- uh, product configuration, customer management, real-time product logs. Um, for $99, you get in a guarantee of a uh, service level agreement of 99.95% uptime, data visualization, automated firmware rollouts, error management, integration support, and configurable alerts. Um, and then for the contact us, because we're not going to tell you the price, um, a 99.99% uptime guarantee, premium support, audit logs, user training, and granular role permissions. So, um, that's at particle.io slash manage. So don't as, so my point is because of the power of the internet of things concept, the back end requirements. Um, yes, you can do things with the particle IO for free and it's a great learning tool and it's great for makers. But again, we talk about this transition to professional grade products. Um, in the context of Internet of Things, that means there's a backend that has to be ran. So, um, you could go in theory, set it all up yourself, manage it yourself. Particle IO saying, "Hey, you know, we'll take care of that for you." Um, at a cost that's Pretty reasonable, I think. Um, I when I and I want to make sure that I understand that this forty nine dollars per user per month. That can't be. It's not necessary. I don't think. I think that's like team members. Like, so if you wanted to have a team of five developers, I don't think that's per person that buys. Like when they say per user, I don't think that's per person that buys your product um, and we support them. I think it's like per um, developer that's on your team per month. Um, but I need to verify that because otherwise $50 a month um, per user is, in that case, it would be a little more expensive. Anyway, so that's it. That's a down and dirty 50,753-foot view of Particle IO's Photon um, and what you can do with it. And again, I'm going to put a link up once I sanitize all my code and um, you guys can take a look at it and uh, download and hack away with it and play with it. And then you can uh, let us know what you're doing with uh, 
if you've got one, if you've got a, a photon and what you're doing with it, and um, if you've got any questions about it, let us know. So I think with that, I've got to wrap it up because we got folks coming over. So um, for everything else you need to know, gearsofresistance.com. There's links to everything else we do. And uh, yeah, so with that, thank you all very, very much for listening and watching. And I would encourage you to watch it if you're only listening. Um, actually, yeah. Actually, it doesn't really – it matters because I'm going to put all this – the good stuff will be um, the, the, the code afterwards. So, again, make sure to head over to gearsofresistance.com to check that out. All right. So uh, thank you, and until next time, stay quirky.